30, 20, 10, 5, touchdown, Houston. There is no offseason for your Houston Texans. Game day is every day. Now, it's Texans All Access. Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program that gets you inside NRG Stadium or wherever we happen to be in the Hyundai Texans mobile radio studio. Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you. We were not on yesterday. By the way, we will have Nick Casario on in just a few moments from our special edition Texans podcast. We'll have Who's Better tonight, 17-game schedule approved at the owners' meetings. I say at. They're in cyberspace. They're everywhere. They're going (laughs) through the air. Johnny, good evening. We weren't on last night because we made way for the Houston Cougars game to be aired on the flagship Sports Radio 610. They carry the Westwood One feed. So it's Kevin Kugler and company on the call, and they call the beauty for the Cougars back to the Final Four for the first time since 1984. That's so special, and I just want to begin the show saluting them. The city of Houston represented well by the City University going to this very prestigious event. You know, I thought about this last night at some point. If you were, if you were you're 36 or younger, you have ties to University of Houston. You've never seen your team go to a Final Four. You know, if you're my demographic, and my age demographic, our age demographic, you've lived through Fi Slamma Jamma, which is as cool as could be. Right. But if you're younger than 36, and that's a lot of people, you haven't experienced anything like this. That had to be so cool to watch that clock count down and then go, we're going to the Final Four. This is That's really awesome. And on the, the fact that it's Baylor on the other side, is as cool as it gets. But, Mark, I got to tell you, when 6 o'clock rolled around and you and I weren't on the air, it was weird. It's weird. It was weird. I was like, I need to be somewhere. I kept saying to myself, I need to be somewhere. Something's going on. And, of course, something was going on. It was the it was the University of Houston, Oregon State on radio. And uh, that was what was going on. But it was great to see the Cougs get back in there in the Final Four. And the fact that Baylor on the other side – just makes it a Southwest Conference all the way. So we got Southwest Conference on one side, and we're 80 minutes away from the Battle of L.A. on the other side. Yeah. If we get USC and UCLA to get some upsets, which I don't think it'll happen. But, man, that's going to be one heck of a game no matter who comes out of there with Gonzaga and USC and the UCLA and Michigan. You know, a couple of other things about this. You know, we always talk about in different sports, like in the NFL, if you're a playoff team, I think it's – incredibly special i know they led an extra team per conference in starting with last year and when we talk about uh, changing seasons we have plenty to discuss tonight with the 17 game schedule Uh, but when you look at making the postseason and achieving greatness in the postseason in various sports i tried to think of another sport where making the semifinals is as prestigious as ncaa basketball and it doesn't exist because no. A Final Four team has its own brand. You made the Final Four. There's no right. other sport where you have the, the the semifinalists and you have a champion, and the other three are so decorated, right? The loser of the championship game and the other two lost in the semis. They're so decorated and immortalized as, quote, Final Four teams. You don't have that in any other sport. You can't say ALCS and NLCS. It's not the same. Uh, AFC championship game. Look, I'd love to play in one, but it's not yeah. the same no. as far as the prestige factor. I can't think of anything else. Can you? No, there's not. There's nothing else. There's something special. I thought about that last night. Final four. Look, you want to go and win the thing. Don't don't get me wrong. But if you 
as a basketball squad get together before the season starts and you go, okay, what's your goal? I want, we want to get to the final four. We want to get to right. Indy or wherever it's going to be. Your goal is that. And then you're like, all right, well, we want to win two more and win a championship. I, I saw an interesting SEC network show the other day. It was called winner else. It was kind of 30 for 30 type shows on this 1978 Kentucky team. And it was a Kentucky team that had all kinds of pressure that all kinds of players, their goal, they said in the beginning was to win a championship, not just get it to the final four. Right. There's certain teams that have that, you know, Alabama, um, you know, can't just get to the national championship game in football. You know, they've got, they've got to win the thing. And, and so it's different for certain teams, but in basketball, there's just that feeling of, yep, got to the final four. The final four, not that it ends there, but it's like, man, there's something special about playing in those two games on Friday. And if you've ever been to a final four, you know what I'm talking about. Those two games are so special, back-to-back, 20 minutes in between, and it's, in, it's incredible. And just to get there is, is an amazing feat. And that's the thing. They were talking about UCLA. UCLA's got an opportunity to do something tonight that only VCU's done, and that's – win in the first four and get all the way to the final four. And we remember in 2011, if I said to you, a hey, 2011 champion, even though the thing took place in Houston, you're like, oh, man. Okay, VCU. Oh, yeah, man, they won the first four and yeah. then they got all the way through. They were shocked and smart. They were havoc. You, know, you remember VCU for being a final four team that year more than you remember UConn being the champion that year. So, right. yeah, the final four is just special. It well, really is. You know, Rick Pitino was in this tournament. And I think Rick Pitino, despite everything he's done in his career, and you know, I'm talking about on the court, by the way, uh, is best remembered maybe for the Providence Final Four, right? Yeah. Even though it's with Kentucky and Louisville and everything, uh, there's just something special about it. And I think the college football playoff, those Final Four teams in college, they don't call it the Final Four in college football because it's a brand name. They don't want to mess it up. And that feeds into what I'm trying to prove here. The college football playoff, it's great to get there. Get me there, please. But it's not the same thing. And you just no. said it. That's a goal. Let's get to the Final Four. No other sport do you say, let's get to – let's go lose the AFC championship <laughs> game. You don't yeah, – I yeah. mean, it's not like that. It's just there's something special about it. Anyway, that's why we were preempted last night. And it was a special day for us because, you know, we actually made this agreement with Armin Williams and Sarah Frazier and Intercom Radio. And now it's – odyssey radio right yeah all right so odyssey and i downloaded or i I updated my radio.com app and i recommend everybody do it and i think the new app is really good really great format for our our friends at odyssey which sounds like odyssey like the iliad and the odyssey but it's odyssey (laughs) like audio odyssey uh anyway so uh last night we actually had a chance earlier in the day to catch up with nick casario we had no show so we put it out as a podcast but let's hear it Right now, as we catch up with the general manager of your Texans, hard at work since getting to the NRG campus in early January. He's been signing players. He's been busy. Yeah, it's been great. Uh, It's, you know, one day at a time. Uh, We've had a lot of activity. We've done a lot of things, but all with the intent to try to improve the team as much as possible. Uh, There's no one way to do that. It's going to take a series of transactions over the course of, I would say, weeks, months, and even during the season. So where the team is currently, quite frankly, it's probably going to be differently by the time the season starts. So we have a long way to go. There's, there's a lot of work in front of us yet to be done. Uh, but we were purposeful with what we try to do to just to improve the overall competition and the composition of the team, understanding that that change is constant and change will probably continue. Um, and we're just going to try to do what we feel is best for the organization and put our team in the best position possible. 
Nick, before the quote-unquote legal tampering period even began, you made two trades, a guy that you know very well having been in the building, and then a guy that you faced, whether it was with Buffalo or Miami, and Shaq Lawson. What do Marcus Cannon and Shaq Lawson mean to the U and this football club? Yeah, both players have a lot of experience, have been in successful programs uh, in, in their respective side of the ball as well. Um, so, I mean, our whole thing is just try to bring, you know, good, good people and good football players into the building, right? And, and those two players specifically, I would say in Marcus's case, he has a lot of experience. He's played a lot of football. I would say he's dealt with a lot of adversity uh, throughout the course of his life, even going back to when he came out in the draft, right, which I'm sure you guys covered him coming out of TCU. So what he's been through and what he's dealt with and how he's handled it really speaks volumes about who he is as a man, um, not so much about him as a football player. Um, made a decision last year to uh, to stay away from football for personal reasons and a personal choice. Um, but I know Marcus is a very prideful individual, uh, cares a lot about football, um, and he's played a lot of good football. So, again, nobody's guaranteed anything. Everybody has to earn their role, uh, and everybody's going to get the same opportunity. Uh, Shaq's situation, um, you, you know, started his career in Buffalo, played a lot of good football for them, ended up there down in Miami last year, did a lot of good things for their team as well. Um, so with those two players specifically, we just looked at our team and situation and thought there was an opportunity for us to try to improve what that actually means and how that manifests itself. Nobody really knows, right? We're not going to know that until they actually are on the field. So we just try to make a decision that we thought made sense for our team. Um, so that's why we went ahead with the transactions that we did. Nick, you also added two quarterbacks to the roster and to Rod Taylor and Ryan Finley. So what do these guys bring to the table, bring to the organization? Yeah, both players are a little bit different, right? Uh, so, uh, you know, Tyrod has a lot of experience. He's played uh, for a number of different coaches, been in a lot of different systems. Um, you know, very experienced, um, has a little bit of a background with some of the coaches on our staff, right? So uh, offense not necessarily might be something different that, that he's played in. Um, but I would say some of the, the attributes are similar. Um, and Ryan's case, um, you know, that was a player a couple of years ago came out. I would say whether it was the staff here in Houston uh, or we while we were in New England as well, um, had some good qualities, some good traits. So, again, it doesn't necessarily guarantee or mean anything. It just means that we brought those players here. Uh, we brought those players here for a reason, give them the opportunity to compete and see if they can carve out a role for themselves, whatever that is. Ultimately, the player's performance is going to dictate who does what, right? It's not what I think or what a coach might think. Ultimately, their performance will will bear what the role is going to be. Nick, and going out and trying to fortify this roster and changing this roster, was there a particular attribute that you were looking for? You talk about adversity with with Marcus, and he's been through it, no doubt. Was there a particular attribute you were looking for in the players you wanted to bring here to Houston? I'd say generally speaking, uh, just good people uh, that embrace competition and opportunity. Uh, a lot of the players, for the most part, are in a window of three to six, seven years, right? There's some players that kind of fall on either side of the spectrum, right? But have some experience in the league, um, have had some degree of success in whatever program they've been associated with. Um, but our thing is just here's an opportunity for you. We're essentially it's a new team, a new staff, and the opportunities in front of you. And, you know, here's your chance. And I would say there was a number of people, even some players that we did not sign, um, that embraced the opportunity to be here, that wanted to be here. So it really speaks to the choices that those people make. Um, and hopefully it speaks to some of the things that we're trying to do and what we're trying to build um, and put in place here that hopefully we can sustain, sustain for a period of time. 
Nick, I know you've answered a lot of questions about Deshaun Watson this offseason, and he's going through a very serious situation right now. I know the Texans are cooperating with the league, working with the league, but what can you tell us about that? How do you handle that as you build the 2021 Texans? Yeah, it's a good question, Mark. We're certainly cognizant and aware. We made a, a statement at the beginning um, about where the organization stood. I would say the legal, it's, a, it's a legal situation. It's a legal process, so we're certainly respectful of that. Uh, we certainly take them very seriously. Uh, the allegations um, or what's been discussed are, are certainly troubling. Um, and organizationally, that's not something that, that we can condone, that we, we condone those types of actions. But again, we'll let the legal process take care of itself. And however it's going to unfold, we'll certainly comply and do uh, what we can to help and, and facilitate a, a resolution for everybody. Nick, this might sound like a weird question, but I've always thought about this. You come into the building, you're brand new, hardly know where anything is. I'm sure the first thing you do is the paperwork and the onboarding process. But what was the very first thing you felt like you needed to get done the very first day you sat down at your desk and went, okay, 2021 Texans, what do I do? What was the first thing that you really set about to do that very first day? Yeah, honestly, that's a great question, John. I mean, you have a list of probably hundreds of things. I think the most important thing is try to get to know the people that are here, right? Uh, because ultimately, it's a people business, all right? We can say what we want about what goes on in the football field and X's and O's and all that, but this is a people business. I mean, it's about the people that you have in the building on all different levels of the organization. So it's not about just players. It's not about just coaches. It's about every area of the organization. Um, so really, it's taking a, getting a chance to do a deep dive on some of the people that are here, understanding that you know, we're going to have to make difficult decisions. We've made some difficult decisions, um, and that's just part of you know, starting over to a degree, right? So A, to kind of get to know the people, and then B, is just realize nothing's going to happen overnight, right? You just try to right. figure out, okay, what are some things that you can get accomplished on a day-to-day basis? And then go to bed at night, put your head in the pillow, think about the next day, and then come back and, and just try to make some incremental progress. So really, it's about stacking multiple days together. Um, and that's the only way you're going to build something that's sustainable is just, just to put you know, multiple days together over the course of time and understanding you have to be malleable, you have to be flexible, and you have to be willing to adjust and adapt. Um, and that's really probably a hallmark of this league is the, the teams that figure out how to do that are the ones that at least have a chance for success. It doesn't necessarily ensure success, but at least gives you a chance. So that's how we've tried to approach it and just be consistent and, you know, just try to stay, you know, as flat as possible and understanding there's going to be ups and downs that, um, that come along with it. Nick, I think anybody trying to put together an unofficial depth chart right now is going to have a very hard time. And I, I think you guys want it that way in a way because you like the competition. But let's discuss the running backs for a moment here because Mark Ingram comes into the fold. You also have Philip Lindsay from Denver. And, of course, you bring back David Johnson. And there are others as well. It looks like a very thick depth chart right now at the running back position. you got to like that. Yeah, I would say there's a lot of good – Players at that position, I mean, you can even throw in Scotty and Buddy, right, who have been here, right, sure. um, who are younger players who have been, you know, I would say with their opportunity, specifically Buddy, who's played in a kicking game. But, you know, Mark, David, and Phillip have all had different degrees of success in the league. Um, they've all been productive in, in their programs. Um, and really, when you have competition, it's good for everybody, right? Um, I think that you're talking about three great people. Um, their attitude, their approach, their work ethic, I'd say they're uh, genuine they are, and they're, they're all excited to be here. Now, what does that mean? I mean, I have no idea. They're all 
different. Um, they're all different types of backs that have been productive in, in their own right. So we'll just try to put them all in the best position possible. And, and I would say at some point, you're going to need everybody on your team, right? You don't know when. You don't really know how it's going to shake out or unfold. Um, so, again, I think to your, to your point, Mark, we've tried to, as best we can, create that as much as possible at, at as many positions as possible, right? And I'm sure there'll be a few more tweaks that we make along the way. Um, so we'll see how it all unfolds once we actually get started. Nick, I can imagine the roster transformation is ongoing, but the biggest thing coming up is the draft. And I've been at plenty of pro days, A&M in particular, seeing you work those pro days. They're different. The last two years, well, last year we didn't have them. This year they're different, limited in capacity. So how important does the draft become from a relation standpoint of trusting people, getting opinions on players? How important does that become in this draft in particular? Because you're new to Houston, but also the way things are still limited in this draft process. How do you kind of approach that as you get ready for the draft April 29th? The way you articulated it, John, that's exactly what it is. Really, ultimately, what this comes down to is in terms of information that you gain outside of the building is getting the right information and knowing who to go through to gain that information, right? Because everybody's going to see and play. Everybody's going to have an observation about what they feel about a player. Even at a pro day, you're going to see certain things. Everybody's going to see certain things, right? So it's the information that you gather, and it is to give you the most accurate profile on the player, so that you can make a good decision in real time with, with the appropriate information. So knowing who to go to, how to get that information, and trusting the people that provide that information to you is important, right? Because depend, you know what it's like, depending on who you speak with or go to, whatever their agenda may be of giving you whatever information and whatever you want, there's a reason behind that, right? So you have to be able to kind of sift through that and make sense of it. So I'd say our scouts do a great job of that. Um, our area scouts specifically in the group that, that James Lifford oversees. I mean, those are the people that you're really relying on the most because they're the ones that from beginning to end, call it from May till April, right? They're the ones that are in the area. They're the ones that are in the schools on a regular basis, just under normal circumstances. So wherever you can get good information, that's the most important thing. And then ultimately you just have to make an assessment about the profile that's been created but the reality is you really do need to know what that is going to look like until they actually get here, right? So you may have some information that tells you one thing, and then they get here and you actually find out something different, right? So then you have to say, okay, all right, well, this maybe this is a little bit different than what we thought, but, you know, it's, we, we can deal with it. So it's a great question, John, and that's, I would say, especially this year, you just want to make sure you have the most accurate information so that you can make a good assessment. Some of these 40 times are kind of ridiculous. Are clocks running faster or something with COVID? I don't know what's going on. Uh, the, tr- <laughs> the, the trainers are getting paid a lot of money to make sure the players run fast so all the agents can send their players there the next year. So, Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> hey, Nick, what about the coaching staff? Uh, I don't think we've gotten a comment from you, and I know you can't comment on everybody, but it uh, looks exciting what you've been able to put together. And when are they going to get to coach? What's the offseason going to look like? What can you tell us? Yeah, we're getting closer. I think we'll have a better idea over the next week or two what the offseason is going to look like. But as far as the staff is concerned, uh, a lot of different coaches with varying levels of experience. The one thing that we've seen over the last few months is just how they work together in whatever the arena has been, right? Whether it's been remotely, whether they've been in-house, just the way they work kind of collectively and collaboratively. Um, Some have more experience than others. Um, We have a lot of good young coaches that are excited and eager to learn. So, 
let's say it's a pretty decent collection of people. Um, and once you have the opportunity to work with the players, then you get to see even more. So, um, again, we're, you know, we're excited about the staff that, that we've assembled. And, um, you know, we'll certainly be more excited when they get the opportunity to go on the field, hopefully, and work with the players on a one-on-one basis. 100% truth. How many phones did you burn up during the month of March? I only use one cell phone and it actually still works. I haven't seen the bill yet for that month. But <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll have the organization pay for it. But uh, no, it's, uh, it was a lot of work by a lot of different people. And, you know, it, it, it's ongoing. And, uh, you know, we're certainly excited about where we are today and where we're headed. All right, Nick. Well, thanks so much for the time and best of luck in the next few weeks before the draft. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, John. Johnny, a couple of big takeaways from our conversation with Nick Casario. And I think that everything he said about the roster is really interesting. Maybe the most interesting is, hey, we're not even done. We knew right. this, but he's not hanging his hat on any particular signing player position group. It's all really in flux right now, despite the fact that he's made so many moves to this point. You and I over the years have had to remind people, look, and I even said it during the interview, that – the roster management happens 24-7, 365. It's always happening. And I felt like there were times we had to remind people, like, hey, just the, there's no end to the free agent period. You know, the draft goes on for three days, but there's always workouts going on after the draft, after guys aren't maybe signed. And, hey, we're about that undrafted free – or what about that, that college kid that we like from, you know, Davidson? And he didn't get signed anywhere. Hey, let's go work him out. Let's maybe sign him. We got a spot on the 90-man roster. There, it's going on all the time. And I felt like you and I had to remind each other, and then not remind each other, but remind listeners and fans of that. I don't think you have to do that with Nick Casario. I think this is – you're going to be well aware of the roster management because it is going to be all-encompassing all the time. You're not going to have to remind anybody because – Hey, in June, hey, look, look what we did in June. Uh, you know, a week into OTAs or two weeks into OTAs, we moved this guy to bring in this guy. Uh, you know, it, we're not going to have to remind everybody. He is going to do it himself because he is going to keep turning the bottom of that roster, the bottom half of the roster if he has to, to find the right mix to make this a championship ball club. All right, well, that was Nick Casario, and that podcast is already up on the Texans app on HoustonTexans.com. Coming up. We're going to play the game we play every Tuesday, and people just wait for it. They're they're banging on the door of NRG Stadium. They want to hear it, and it's coming up. It features some quarterback talk. It's who's better. We've got quarterbacks. We have stuff related to the 17-game schedule, and we have stuff related to the Super Bowl, which is related to the 17-game schedule. It's all happening on Texans Radio. Download the Texans mobile app for news, videos, alerts, and more on your Houston Texans. When an unexpected injury or illness occurs, it's important to know where to go for quality care close to home. Houston Methodist Emergency Care Centers and Emergency Departments offer a full range of care 24-7, 365 days a year for patients of all ages. We are taking extra precautions to keep you safe. Isolating suspected coronavirus patients, screening all visitors, requiring masks, and enforcing social distancing. Visit HoustonMethodist.org slash ER to find a location near you. It's Mattress Firm's semi-annual sale, where you can save up to $300 on our top-rated brands like Sealy and Sleepies. Plus, get a free adjustable base when you spend $6.99 on Sealy. Or buy Tempur-Pedic and get a $300 instant gift good towards sleep accessories. 
Shop Tempur-Pedic, Stearns & Foster, and more with our sleep experts today to find your best sleep. Only at Mattress Firm. Offer valid with qualifying purchase. Restrictions apply. Valid at participating locations only. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com slash sale. Firm.com slash sale. Firm.com slash Don't miss a moment of your Houston Texans 365 days a year. Download the Houston Texans mobile app. Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you, keeping you company on a Tuesday evening here on Texans Radio. Johnny, we're going to play the game that every Tuesday gets played and gets a ton of listenership, a ton of post-show reaction, and during the show reaction, it's called Who's Better? And this week, we feature quarterbacks, as we often do, but I want to make it newsy, okay? Let's go newsy who's better. Very newsy this week. The 49ers have to make their big deal with the Miami Dolphins and moving up to the number three pick in the draft, and everyone's wondering, and they had a media availability yesterday, what are you going to do with Jimmy G? What are you going to do with Jimmy Garoppolo? And everybody wants to know, are they going to trade him? Are they going to hang on to him and develop a young guy that they pick third? That's coming up here. But here's your first question. Who's better? Jimmy Garoppolo or any other quarterback drafted in 2014 or 2015, Johnny? Think about that for a moment. Ooh, okay. Who's better, Jimmy Ooh. Garoppolo or any other QB in 2014 and 2015? And it's Texans related because Bill O'Brien takes over in 2014. Matt Schaub is gone. We're wondering, are the Texans going to draft a quarterback? Now, they drafted Tom Savage in 2014. He wasn't drafted to become the franchise, but he was drafted. And... They went with Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know the rest of the story. 2015, they go with Malin Hoyer. Those guys weren't drafted that year. But Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston, they were drafted in 2015. 2014, Derek Carr, Johnny Manziel, Blake Bortles, to name a few. Who's better, Jimmy G or any other QB in those two drafts? Well, essentially, you're asking – it comes down to me two guys. Jameis Winston being one. Oh, Derek Carr is the other one. But I I think Winston – man, okay. Let's look at it this way. Winston or Carr, I'd take Winston. I think more physically gifted and I think coached in a proper way to rein things in, which in San Francisco I would imagine is the right thing and the right coaching staff there for him. I would love to see Jameis Winston in San Francisco. So, honestly, if I had to rank it, I would go Winston, Carr, Garoppolo, and Shanahan with Jameis Winston would be really fun to watch, to be honest. Really fun to watch. Ooh, Shanahan and Jameis Winston. I, you know, I could sign up for that. The turnovers, turnovers really bother me. Jimmy G went to a Super Bowl. I think there's something to be said for that. Uh, So, yeah, I could vote for him in many instances. You forgot about Blake Bortles. You don't want Blake Bortles, Johnny? No. Come on. He (laughs) he thrumbled more interceptions than Brock did. So, yeah, yeah. What about um? What about? Johnny Manziel, no. I can't interest you in Johnny. Never mind. Okay. Good first <sighs> how answer. Fun, how fun would it have been if Johnny would have worked out? Oh. Uh, it, it, it would have been fun. Uh, in Cleveland, I guess it would have been fun. All right, let's go yeah. with our second who's better question. It would be related to this story. The Niners have the number three pick in the draft. They moved up. Daniel Jeremiah, among others, swear that they want Mac Jones from Alabama. They want Mac Jones more than anybody else. Trey Lance, Justin Fields. I want to go one-on-one. Actually, you know what? I'll throw in Fields, too. You might like Fields better than Jones. So who's better, Mac Jones or Fields or Lance? Who do you got? In order, I would go Lance, Fields, Jones. I've had it that way, and I'm not changing it. And I've got two of those in my top ten. 
and I've got one at number 40. And look, I, I'm, I, I know Mac Jones, like his pedigree, you know, he came from the bowl school in Jacksonville, which is essentially like being the starting quarterback at Katie. He played for a guy named Corky Rogers, who was maybe the greatest high school coach um, in the state of Florida ever. He's been coached hard. He is going to be just beloved by his teammates. He was that way at Alabama. He dealt with adversity from the – honestly, just he had to sit on a bench. He had to sit behind Jalen Hurts. He had to sit behind Tua Tonga Vailoa. He finally got his shot, and this year he was, he was fantastic. He's got three top 75 linemen at a minimum in front of him. He's got, he had the Heisman Trophy winner receiver. He had a top 10 wide receiver, Jalen Waddell. He's got a first-round running back in Najee Harris. He was the right quarterback for the right time. I don't want to take away from Mac because, you know, look, Joe Burrow had a lot of that around him too, and Joe was very successful last year before he was hurt. However, I feel like the ceiling is higher for Lance and Fields, and I like and I will roll the dice with higher ceiling guys and believe in my coaching staff and my organization that my players will get to their higher ceilings and so I'm going Lance, Fields, then I'm going Mac Jones. I mean, I, I got a hard time believing you're investing all of that to move up to number three to take Mac, Mac Jones. Now, maybe I'm wrong about Mac Jones. Maybe the world loves Mac Jones, and they felt like we got to have Mac Jones. You really have to have Mac Jones that much more over Jimmy G? Really? Yeah. I, mean, mm. I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm not a talent evaluator, but I know what I see. And we always talk about the crapshoot that quarterbacks are. When Jimmy G is healthy, he's a good quarterback. Might not be a great quarterback, but he did play at a Super Bowl. And I always say it, everyone just torments him about one missed throw. And it wasn't like he threw a pick six or something. He just didn't hit the guy, and the defense didn't play well. All right, next who's better question. Well, we have a lot of talk with this 17-game schedule, Johnny. And as Ooh. part of the deal reported earlier today, once every eight years, because you get these extra home games with the 17-game schedule every other year, you're going to have to use a home game. So it's really once every four years that you have to use that extra home game for an international hosted game. Now, who's better? What's better as an international site? I'm going to give you Germany. You take another one, all right? Where do you want to go, Germany or somewhere else? Houston Texans are going to host a game. You get to decide where it is. Are you going to take the field to be specific here or Germany? And don't be boring and pick London, even though I'd love to go back to London because they speak English and we know the city now (laughs) a little bit and we know the bar that we're going to set up the Texans bar at and all of that other stuff, and I think the fans would love that. But what do you think? I got two places. I got two places, and I would be awesome for either one. Paris or Rome. Rome. Those would be my those would be my selections. And look, I understand the the language barrier can be you know, a little different. It wasn't Mexico City too, um, but we we survived that. And I, man, you you put a game in Paris in PSG stadium, soccer team, professional soccer team there, or whatever. Oh, give me Paris or give me Rome. I would take those. Now, you're right. Germany, Germany would be one heck of a trip. Paris or Rome, I would I would love to do that. Uh, that would – oh, man, that would be outstanding. See, I think Germany would do the best job, and NFL Europe was so popular there. Yes. After a while, they were thinking of just NFL Germany because they love NFL football there. 
Uh, of the two choices you gave me of Paris or Rome, I'll take Rome all day long over Paris. I've been to Paris and Oh my gosh, if you don't know French, they are just impossible. I don't want to hear it, people. Don't tweet. Don't at me on this. It's like, oh, I don't understand. Oh, come on. I, it's probably not a ton better in Rome, but I'd rather go to Rome. I'd want to yeah. go to the Coliseum and play there. Now, I don't think it's exactly Wi-Fi cool. ready, so that could be a problem. If you go to Greece, the Parthenon, you know they got all the electronics there because uh, they, they were way ahead of their time. I'm yeah. getting around, of course. I think um, – I, think they, I know they want to put a game in China eventually, but the way things have gone the last couple of years, maybe they're going to wait on that. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's funny. I, I'm, I would much rather – there are other places I would much rather go, although I've, I've heard – and my wife worked at a school and my daughter worked, uh, went to a school that had a number of, um, of Asian students came from a lot of different areas, and, I mean – China, I think, would actually be very, very cool to do a game there, um, or even Tokyo. I know colleges used to go over to Tokyo playing yeah. that Japan Bowl. The NFL, and I remember, yeah, I think that would be that would be kind of fun to go over there. And I, I'll tell you this: my my son would be begging, begging to be on the flight, the cargo flight, just to get over to Japan. He wants to go to Tokyo so badly. The electronics aspect of it—that's what he wants to do. So. Uh, but to me, Paris or Rome, Rome would be cool to visit the Coliseum and then play a game there. That would be that would be excellent. That would be really fun. I've got one more. Who's better for you? And the Super Bowl twenty twenty two year calendar year Super Bowl. So this coming season will be played with this new schedule during the Winter Olympics, right? During the Winter Olympics, and before people mm. get all bent out of shape. We, have you really been that into the Winter Olympics lately? I mean, you know, it's not 1980 anymore. The Olympics are great. They're not as good as they were during the Cold War. Actually, I'll make this my question. What's better? Who's better? Winter Olympics, Summer Olympics. Go. Summer Olympics. I think <sighs> Summer Olympics. First of all, you got basketball. Now, there's some things in the Winter Olympics I'm completely and totally mesmerized by. And there was nothing. I remember, I remember distinctly as a kid going through – United States, the Miracle on Ice. I mean, every I watched every game. I mean, it was phenomenal. I mean, it was so fun to watch it as a kid. We haven't been that good in hockey with the professionals playing. That said, Summer Olympics, speed. I love watching fast people run. I, I'm a sucker for that. And the Summer Olympics, I mean, seeing – the the speed in the 100, the 200, the 400, the hurdles, watching people do the hurdles. By the way, our good friend Patty Smith, her daughter, Kennedy Smith. Oh, my gosh. She's unbelievable. So fast. So fast. She's incredible with the hurdles. Uh, and congratulations to her. She's just having a bang-up uh, senior year. But the I love watching I love watching speed. And the Summer Olympics, to me, is all about speed. So that's I'm going with that. See, my favorite is winter, and my favorite event of any Olympic event, summer or winter, is the men's downhill. Just guys That's flying fun, down yeah. the mountain. The women's downhill it's speed, is speed, yeah. It's speed. They are flying down the mountain, and I just love it. And I had a chance to call it for Westwood One Radio in the last Winter Olympics, uh, which were in Korea. Yeah. But it was I was going to have to be gone for a month a month Ooh. right in the middle of like the combine and you know i'm a manager here so i got the budgets and all this other stuff and i know people still give me grief also i heard it wasn't a very cosmopolitan event i mean you were going to be out there hoofing <laughs> it in the snow 
<laughs> setting it up. And I thought, I was like, eh, I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah. I just got cold thinking about it. And um, so I didn't do it. You know, I don't regret it. I don't regret it. I would have loved to call the men's downhill on radio. It would have been kind of cool. I don't know if they yeah. would have any, any affiliates clearing that or not. Like, and now we pause from our daily massively revenue producing programming to have the men's downhill uh, radio. Like this is programming. You absolutely. It wouldn't have mattered. You would have called the Olympics. That would have been enough. I know. It would have been cool. That would have been enough. Okay. Let's get to the 17 game schedule next. Plus other stuff going on around the league here on Texans radio. For the most in-depth coverage of your favorite team and players, check out HoustonTexans.com. Hey, parents and teachers. We know teaching kids at home can be hard, and teaching math can be even harder. Well, Schlumberger and the Houston Texans are here to make math fun with the Texans Stats Challenge. Get your student in the game with worksheets, videos, tips, and more to make math fun using the game of football. All for free. The Stats Challenge, presented by Schlumberger, is designed for sixth grade students and covers a variety of math topics. Find the Stats Challenge and other great resources as we continue to huddle at home at HoustonTexans.com community. Back to the show that keeps you up to date on the Houston Texans. Texans All Access. It's Texans Radio. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Welcome back to the show. Not that you ever left. You never should. Johnny, 17 games. And look, we've talked about 17 games for a while now because it's been in the wind and it's been a foregone conclusion, a lot of people said. But they made it official. So here we are. You get the three preseason games. You get an extra home game every other year. And that's how it's going to work. You get one less home preseason game every other year when you get the extra right. home game. And that's how it's going to operate. And the formula to play the NFC team that you'll play with the extra game, it's like explaining nuclear fission. The Texans <laughs> will play Carolina this year. That's all you need to know, really. And your thoughts? I don't have a problem. Look, it's still 20 games when you look at it. If you look at it from that perspective, and it's one more game that means something. I know the players are. I know Hal Kamara retweeted out Adam Schefter and was, uh, had some choice words about it. But I, I think, and look, coming from me, the 16-game schedule, 32 teams, how symmetrical it was, you know how well that played into my OCD. You know it. So you would think I would totally be against this, but I'm not. I, I, we were going here anyways. We were going to 17. I just wish, I just wish that that 17th game could be that built-in every year rivalry. Us, Cowboys, Jets, Giants, um, you know, Redskins, excuse me, dang it, Washington football team, Ravens. If you could just figure out a partner that you could have that rivalry game with, that would be so much fun. But you mentioned a little while ago, it's going to be an international game. You're giving up an international game basically every four years. Yeah. I Listen, I when we were going to Mexico City you know, before 2016, I remember thinking, I am not – I was not going to rain anybody's parade. I thought it will be cool, but like, eh, whatever. We didn't win that game, obviously. That is one of my favorite road trips of all time because it was so different. It was so incredibly different. The stadium was different. The fans were different. There was such an incredible atmosphere that night down in Mexico City. 
It was so different. And to be able to say, yeah, we called the game in Mexico City. It was awesome. When we were getting ready to go to London, I kind of had, I kind of fell into that trap again. Like, oh man, I don't want to take a long flight. We're only going to be there for a couple of days. I don't know, man. That was the most fun trip yep. that we've had. That was unbelievable. And then, of course, we capped it off with a win, uh, which was really, really cool, which made the flight back that much easier. The travel is tough, especially if you're doing the turnaround where we, what, left on Thursday, got, you know, came back right after the game Sunday, got back early Monday morning. That turnaround is rough. But I would do that trip. I would do that trip once a year if, if asked. We got an international game once a year. Cool. All right, let's do it. Where are we going this year? We're going to London. We're going to Mexico City. We're going to Paris or France. We just talked about I would be Paris or uh, Rome, I should say. Paris yeah. is in France. Well, you get the point. Yeah, um, Paris, yeah Paris, I, so. I, don't have, I don't have a problem uh, at all with the 17 games. It is going to – hey, all this team's going to finish 500, 8-8. Eight eight. Oh, we're going to have to change that thinking, and that will take a little while. Um, but then again, if we can go from the San Diego Chargers to the LA Chargers, we can go from Oakland to LA to Oakland to Las Vegas for the Raiders. We can go from Washington, formerly known as the Redskins, to the Washington football team. We can adapt and go from eight and eight to eight and nine or nine and eight. We'll figure it out. How about this? I mean, this league is all about change, right? It, it's just that we've been so accustomed to 16 games since 1978. Yes. Tampa Bay and Seattle, they come into the league. They go to 16 games. By the way, Brady was actually born before the Bucks started, which is amazing. I wow. mean, I'm sure that came up during the Super Bowl pregame hype, but that really is incredible that they have a player that's older than the franchise playing for the relatively young franchise. Um, Actually, it's an old franchise now because it's in the 70s. Anyway, you get my point. That was just kind of an interesting tidbit to me. But the point is this. Uh, the league, prior to 1946, they would play 11 games one year, 14 games another year because they, had a, they didn't know who was going to be in the league. This is pre-TV yeah. revenue, massive money haul from the networks and whatever else you're making money from. They had ticket sales, of course. But, you know, the Decatur Staley's moved to Chicago. You know, you have stuff like that going on. After 1946, <laughs> yeah. they go to the 12-game schedule until the AFL decides to go 14, and the NFL says, we got to go to 14 now. We have to go to 14. They go to 14 until 1978 when they go to 16. And we've had it like that ever since. But we've had out-of-balance schedules, and people don't remember the AFC Central that the Oilers played in, and yet, yep. what, five teams in that division, right? Did you have yep. five? Uh, so Back in the day, I think you did, yes. Eventually, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's, that's how it worked out. So it's change. It happens, and you just have to embrace it. And I know it's going to be rough on the players, but, Johnny, if Texas high school kids – play 16 games to participate in a state championship game. The NFL players can do 17. Now, I know you have preseason, but I think that third preseason game, you're going to drop that fourth game. I think that third preseason game is going to look not exactly like the fourth game, but you're going to be pulling guys pretty early in that game. Because, again, even though you have the bye next week, you're going to say, listen, let's just take it easy here, make sure nobody gets hurt. They'll want to get their reps, but they're going to be careful about it. And you'll have two full weeks to get ready for the regular season after that third preseason game. I kind of like the way it's all going to work out here. Yeah, I do too. I I like that time frame between uh, between those games. I would imagine if that was something we could have asked Nick about from a player evaluation standpoint, it gets to be a little dicier, I guess, because you lose that one final competition aspect, that final pivot point where you could look at it and go, okay, one final chance. I mean, 
Think about all the guys that we've seen, Mark, over the years make this roster in week four. Yeah. They put together one final performance and they made this roster. So it's just going to, it's going to be different and, and everybody's going to have to get used to it. Here's the question I have. Mm-hmm. How do the joint practice, hopefully the joint practices are coming back. And that's something maybe that we'll be able to do because I think that is a tremendous opportunity for teams to take a look at both rosters. I think if everybody's vaxxed, they're back. I think they'll adjust with what you said about the fourth game. And after having no games last year, it's going to be like a cornucopia of preseason games this year. Johnny, thanks a lot for being with us, as always. Thanks, Mark. Tomorrow night, more on the program. Let's catch up with Marcus Cannon. I think that will be our night. Maybe Mark Ingram. We've got some stuff happening here on Texans Radio this week. Thanks for listening. Have a great evening, everyone, and go Texans. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610. Teachers and parents, are you looking for an educational resource to keep your students engaged? The Houston Texans Toro and ConocoPhillips have partnered together to provide Toro's Math Drills. Toro's Math Drills is a free video series that will challenge your students to math topics like fractions, multiplication, division, and place value, all while having fun. Sign up today for free at HoustonTexans.com on the Kids School Program page and run your students through Toro's Math Drills, presented by ConocoPhillips. Go Texans! Go!